be fine Blowing up like dynamite, I never meant to make you cry Make your mind up, I'm fading I wanna stay up, you wanna stay in Hello and welcome to your weekly edition of this Cybrox, it's your Rangers podcast, the podcast of the champions. My name's Scott Patterson, you're very welcome as always. Pleased to say that again to celebrate another old firm victory. This week we're joined by Tommy McIntyre. Hi Tommy, how are you? I am just champion, yeah, thank you very much. Delight, delightful weekend again, wasn't it? Yeah, it's just it's like Groundhog Day. Well, what happened at the weekend? Well, we battled Celtic. Another, another, another four more wheels of spring type of thing. You know? <laughs> it's became the new normal. We love it. We absolutely love it. Robbie Halliday, you're back again. How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yes, very well. You're, are you back to sort of magnificent? Are you I'm back to magnificent, mate. I was only just a wee bit below that before. I was still good, but I'm, I'm right up here again. 10 out of 10. These are both very welcome, guys. Good to see you. This Cybrox podcast is brought to you by Triple H Mortgages, the one-stop shop for all your mortgage and mortgage insurance needs. Contact them as early as you can on 1453 You can email them hello at hhhmortgages.com. The business website is www.treblehmortgages.com and you can reach them the same address via Facebook. If you do speak to them, Craig, the, the lovely man there, will help you if you mention my name, Scott Patterson, Tommy, Robbie, or indeed Willie Boyd and he will sort you out very well indeed. They look after you, they certainly do. This week's pod, we cover each of the four games, or we cover our favourite game of the four um, unbeaten challenges, and I use the term very loosely, against Celtic this season. We'll speak about the performances of Ryan Kent, and a really impressive, for me, impressive debut for Jack Simpson at the weekend for his first Old Firm game. We'll talk about the game itself, but firstly... Um, We're going to talk I, about that intro. Thanks very much. For <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I am convinced, I don't know about you, Robbie, but he absolutely paid some of his going through uni bills by working on a sex line. It's pre-recorded. Silky voice. I think it's pre-recorded. We almost start now. <laughs> a pre-recorded, just press his play every week. <laughs> he walked away off the screen. He's just making a coffee and that comes back when that's done. Ready to go. Is there a disgrace, but what a team. Um, so, Robbie, I'm going to stick with you. Last week, um, you had the, the wonderful opportunity with what has, has became one of the most listened to and most viewed interviews. You spoke to Kenny Miller. Tell us about it. I didn't need me. It was a very enjoyable chat. So I think you, you were very kindly saying that uh, it was a good watch and stuff. But genuinely, it, he made it very easy. So it was just like chatting to... It's, just, it's very easy to chat to somebody who could just talk football. And I think... Before that, I think you always had that impression. I mean, it just seems like a guy who loves his football. I don't think that you play until you're, was it 39, 40? I think, I think it was about 40, 40 yeah. this and stuff. So yeah. I don't think you still play football at that age unless you've got a real loving passion for the game. And then likewise, I think his, his passion for the club really shone through as well. He's probably, I don't think he'd mind me saying, he probably has somebody who's split opinion and for all the reasons on, on one, one element. But in general, there has been a wee bit of controversy with his name, but... I think that if MD listened to that and they were honest with ourselves, they, they couldn't say it another and they came across really well. So I really, really appreciated the honesty. Uh, but I suppose, I don't know if maybe some of these people see this as a good opportunity to share their side of the story because it's not as if the good thing about fan media is we're not there to trip MD up or look for any clickbait headline and like that. We just want to chat guys about Rangers and then if they've got any sort of controversial stories they want to clear up, then they've got an opportunity to do so. So I think that even out with that sort of side, Talking about the good times and that, and talk about his his respect for Walter Smith and you know scoring cup finals, his old uh, his old firm record, and I uh, know it was brilliant. Really, really, really enjoyed it, and I'm glad that, that you guys did as well. Thank you for the for the compliment on it before the before the show started. I'm just getting in there. They were very complimentary. <laughs> Unless Talk you got that on camera, then it does it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, listen, Robbie's absolutely right. I think one of the things that that jumped out at me from the interview from Kenny Miller was just how frank and, and honest he was happy to be on camera. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, first of all, it's, it's an absolute must listen. So I would urge anybody, any watcher or any listener of this podcast who hasn't already done so, go and find the time. It's a really, really interesting listen. And that genuineness that Robbie referenced there, you can have any, take any position you want about Kenny Miller playing for Rangers, playing for Celtic, whatever. As fan media, we're not there to trip players up or throw them under a bus. We're there to have a genuine conversation. And I would I would argue that nobody can listen to that conversation between Robbie and Kenny and come away with any other feeling that Kenny Miller is a genuine football guy who loves playing the game. 
it comes over in spades. Go and definitely have a listen to it. I think the thing that got me, Robbie, was um, there was a couple of sorry, references that he made during it. You 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 mentioned about Walter Smith, and we've spoke about Walter Smith on on this pod before. It's it's almost like he's just permanently he's gaffer. So for for every stage of his career, he's just always been the the he's his main man type, his go to guy if you like. It was impressive to to hear even now when Kenny's the other side of the world, he's he's still referring to him as the gaffer. I know, I, I love that to be fair. But uh, I think that I just it's one of them you're not that surprised. I think MD that Kenny played under him seems to say the same things. And one thing that was telling was what he was talking about being a Scotland setup that you often find with some managers that see if it's a guy who's no getting played off them, they always say they don't like him, don't like a good manager and stuff. But he said that where he was really good was he had a squad of 23 guys and everybody respected him, everybody really liked him. So I, I, I really liked that part as well. And that, that's the thing that when chatting to other people about it, I wanted to focus on as much as anything. Like, it went through controversial times, but I mean, the guy won three top flight titles. He's a top goal scorer on one of them. He scored in a domestic cup final. Scoring European games, scoring so many old firms. So the guys had an unbelievable career at us, and I, I just, I just think he's a, he's a really genuine guy. So, um, and I really enjoyed it, mate. Really enjoyed it. Tommy, you're absolutely right. We obviously know now, before we move on to the, the game of the weekend, interviews available for, for you to look at, to listen to. It's available now, absolutely free charge via all the obvious places, wherever you get your podcasts, but you can certainly access it via our website at all the W's. This is ibrox.co.uk. So we welcomed that shower across to our place at the weekend again, Thomas. Uh, I wonder if you went into this one, bearing in mind we didn't have a great weekend last weekend going out the Scottish Cup um, and it was their final opportunity to really do anything of note this season um, due to the tragic death of Terry Munro. <laughs> I wonder if there was any part of you that maybe thought that it might have been a bit of a tricky tie at the weekend. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm happy to, to admit that. I, you know, I, I did think it would be a relatively tough game. I thought that they would dredge up <clears throat> Whatever you know, last semblance of a championship-winning team, which they've been previously, pride, and yeah. that that genuine cliche as well of they know a new manager's coming in, you're playing for your your contract, not type of stuff. Um, didn't quite work out that way. It was less last dance and more dancing with tears in my eyes type of uh, <laughs> scenario for Celtic fans and players. But I did. I fully expected it to be a bit more, uh, a bit of a trickier tie. Uh, ultimately. Rangers dominated it, I mean, in every single part of the game. And yes, you can point to the fact that Celtic, and I know we'll go through the game in a bit more depth and detail yeah. as, we, as we get into this conversation, but you can see Celtic created chances. That's absolutely fine, right? The, the trick is taken sometimes. <laughs> and then when Rangers were presented by chances that they completely engineered, um, and there's maybe a difference between some slack defending and you know engineering uh, yeah. chances, they took them and they dominated in every single you know, place in the park from not a bad performance there we go wrap up not a bad performance for if I take some selected quotes from from our rivals across the city you know has beans and panic buys <laughs> well uh, I think some of those panic buys and those has beans had some pretty pretty big statements to make on that pitch and there's a reason why I think it was the biggest win since 2008 yep is that right yep um, what a we were talking last week actually you know we were talking last week about going out to the Scottish Cup. Right, terrible low. Yeah, no ways about it, right? And then we were talking about statement wins. We were talking about momentum and building something. Right, well, there you go. Unbeaten against what was the nine in a row going for Terry type of uh, <laughs> uh, championship team. Played them five times. Thumped them four times. I think I draw in, in there as well. And looking down the barrel of an, uh, an invincible uh, league season. Now, if that's not momentum you get to carry away to you quite legitimately onto the beach, right, or Dubai or whatever place you are, they're allowed to go to, then what else do you want? And it's a humbling for them. It's a humbling for their support. And it's a humbling for some of the grandiose statements that were made by some parts of the media when Stephen Gerrard came into the Ibrox Hoxie. Robbie, we spoke, we spoke last week and we spoke in depth, sometimes off camera and sometimes on we've been recording 
about the the scar tissue of, of previous managers and, and previous matches against Celtic and the, the effect that, that it's had. I think instantly about um, your brother, probably in the first instance, he'll have a lot of really rotten memories over playing Celtic when he was around at the club. But a club captain now, James Tavernier, he certainly put that ghost to bed um, over not being able to beat Celtic. He's put them to bed this season, hasn't he? I thought, you know, there was some contenders for man of the match on Sunday, but I, I thought he was right up there with one of them. I thought he was superb. Uh, yeah. delivery. So I think that how he played against Celtic at the weekend and how he has done in, in a few previous old firm ties is how he was probably playing against, you know, all the other teams in the league three, four years ago, but wasn't doing it against them as such. Yeah. Uh, whereas, as you say, he just seems to be brimming with confidence in, in every game. So I think that, you know, it's, it takes us back to the sort of discussion of the situation, the conundrum with him and Parson, but may, maybe it's kicked, it could kick him on even more and, and the, the two of them being in the squad at the same time could be great for the two of them. But I thought on Sunday he was he was excellent and you just hope that, well, the, I would say because the tide is turning, the tide has turned and we are now the dominant figure in the league. You just hope that that now comes for those players, you know, guys like Stephen Welsh, Greg Taylor, and who, guys who are probably going to be there, there next year. Yeah, Their sort of experience of playing a long form tie is we get beat these games more often than we don't. So you just hope that's why I thought the game of the weekend was really important because it's the psychological element of that, that fixture now that the Celtic players who were there this year, eh, sorry, Celtic players who were there this year are still going to be there next year have still got that sort of feed of playing Rangers. And I think all the, all the teams like have that. And I think that that can be very, very underestimated. I think if you look at how teams would approach playing us three years ago, you're not telling me that it's anywhere near what it's like now. Because they come with that doubt in their mind that we're probably going to beat today. But as previously, they knew, despite it being at Ibrox or whatever, if we keep them quiet for the first 20, 30 minutes, then fans will get in their back because of previous experiences they might struggle. Whereas now we've totally flipped that psychology and that's how we are now approaching all, the, it, the roles have reversed our old firm tie, basically. So I think it was a very, very important win for that reason. And going back to the Tavernier point, let's hope that that's now the sort of mindset of some of their players around others. Going to stick with you, Robbie, because we said last week that I think all of us almost said that we didn't think uh, Kemar Roof would would start on the on the back of how ring rusty looked, I think was the term that I actually used. Um it certainly shows why I do this job on a weekly basis and nothing really of any great importance thereafter because I got that badly wrong. He was excellent the weekend, wasn't he? No, I was actually saying I'd have started him. I fancied him to score two the weekend. So. <laughs> yeah, no, listen. Stupid inquiry. Stupid <laughs> 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 100% it was not what I wanted to start on Sunday. So, <laughs> now listen. But that, that's what's up. You, I love to be proved wrong in those situations. I, I mean, was it last week or the week before? I was like, I don't like that man through three playing together. Is <laughs> that it? Day one for one. So that's what it's all about. And that's like, I say this all the time. There's so much that goes on that fans aren't privy to. Gerard has a far better idea of who's the best player for those games than we do. Obviously, that doesn't mean that we're not allowed an opinion on it. And it doesn't mean that in some cases he maybe proves to be wrong and certain people prove to be right. That's, that's not what I'm saying at all. But he clearly made the right decision on that one, and I'm assuming that even though Kamar Roos may be going for a sticky spell, I feel as though maybe Gerard still feels he's a good goal threat, despite how he's playing. The fact that I think that was his 16th goal of the season kind of proves that. So, but out with his goal, I thought he played well uh, as well. His first goal is unbelievable, by the way. Yep. That is really so, was. so good. Like, the, the invention, to, he's at, I'm sure he, he tried it like five, ten minutes before as well, and he's done a few things that you can tell he's definitely... He's definitely got that creativity about him anyway, and he can play on his instincts. So maybe that that's what he kind of needed. Like that, that's one of those ones where people say, if you've not got full of confidence, you would rather have a snapshot at goal than a lot of time. Whereas that was one that just felt to him, and it was his instinct that made him direct into the goal. And then he was able to kick on and obviously get the second one, which again, he doesn't start the entire move, but he's involved in the build-up anyway. Yeah. Shoves out wide and then his, his run just like marries perfectly with Barisic's cross. It's, it's a great header as well. So, nah, as you say, very, very pleased to say that uh, Tommy McIntyre, Robbie Harley, and Scott Parson are absolutely nowhere near the management team because we have 4-1. Tommy, I, I, I think, so Robbie's referred to the, the two um, roof goals. Um, right in the middle of that, 
you had a, a, a really wonderful strike from, from Alfredo Morelos and there's, there's footage that I've in, indeed I've seen today. The noise of that hit in the back of the net is as sweet a sound I think as I've heard all season. Yeah, it drowned, it drowned out uh, lots of breaking hearts uh, <laughs> across, the, across the city. But yeah, it's a fantastic you know, strike, cuts in. Um, I, I think he'd nutmeg somebody, but not I, make I some guy. Can you see him? Yeah, I don't know, don't know who. But, you know, gets a wee bit of a break of the ball, cuts inside. Chris Farrier has decided at this point that he's got a modelling career and he is right. not wanting to go anywhere near that, that ball. He's going to Norwich. Doesn't I, want his coupon damaged. There you go. Um, so he's, he has just absolutely opted out of being a defender at that point in time, right? He's having an out-of-body experience and just doesn't <laughs> want to do anything. And, you know, Alfie smashes it in. And, it, again, it's, it comes back to, so we could talk about the goal and stuff like quite rightly. We could talk about Manelis' performance. We could touch on Roof, who, yeah, I think we all agreed <laughs> we wouldn't have had him in the start of the as, as Robbie, et cetera, was saying there, that um, that pretty much shows why we're not in the hot seat. I'm, I'm not buying a, a Walter Smith-esque cardigan anytime soon. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was more the fact that, <clears throat> Excuse me. More the fact that and it's this is a, a consistent basis when it came to this team this season as well, right? Not only in the old firm games, but in any particular game. So the wider point, Rangers scored and went a man up, right? or Celtic went a man down, depending how how bright your side of the street is. Right? I suppose yeah, I'm absolutely. saying Rangers went a man up, right? But done that and then conceded a really sloppy goal pretty much right after it, and in keeping with the way this team has performed in 99 times out of 100 this season they go up the park and they do something about it yeah so can see the stupid goal it's a it's not a dead rubber in terms of the you know in terms of the league numbers it was a dead rubber in terms of setting a standard i'm sure the players were definitely up for it you could see that right but it wasn't tangibly getting a trophy or we were still in a tight tight race some of those players could have switched off and went ah one one each they're already in in 10 men we'll see what happens in the you know remainder of the second half or whatever yeah. They didn't. They just went, right, let's just get right in amongst them again. And sure enough, you score your first one, you pretty you pretty quickly get your second Absolutely. one after Edmund Morelos. So I, I don't know where that now ranks in terms of a... Oh, he's, he's, he's never scored against us. He's scored... Well, he's only scored one. We'll never score two. Um, he's never <laughs> won the league. Pretty much done that as well. We're just considering ticking these off, guys. So I'm sure it'll be, oh, he's never scored on a Wednesday. Or something like that. <laughs> yeah, a really, really, a really, really good, strong, and we keep coming back to it. I imagine this will be a consistent thread in this podcast as well. Mentality of this Rangers team, mentality of the players, the ability to engineer and take their chances, the ability to dominate themselves individually on their counterparts, the ability of the team to dominate their shape onto others, throttling the life out of what used to be Scotland's champions, but aren't anymore. Tom, I'm going to stick with you. Last goal of the afternoon came right at the death, and um, it was it was a really welcoming sight to see Jermaine Defoe score against Celtic. And he, he was he was looking at it. I felt he looked quite he looked almost quite emotional about 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 scoring um, so late in the game. I, I think maybe you're looking at a player who is at a a juncture in his career where he, he's not entirely sure whether he's going to hang around for another year or maybe even hang up the boots. Um, but it was. Um, uh, there was something really special about seeing him score at the weekend. The two things I can absolutely guarantee in this life, right? One, everybody's heart skipped a wee beat, even robots like me, when Jermaine Defoe scored that, right? And there was a wee moment where, after Dodd, he kind of looked down the camera at, at, at a distance, and yeah. you just saw in his face this was a moment that he would take with him. And the second thing I can guarantee is, you could have peered through the window, and I don't recommend this in any way, shape, or form for anyone. Not anymore. Ah, not, not anymore. Those days are behind me. I've got a bad <laughs> <laughs> I can't anymore. So, um, that's why God invented long lenses. <laughs> you can guarantee, if you'd have looked through the window of the, the full household, half, half one, two o'clock in the morning, he'd have been sitting, I imagine, playing that goal over in his mind, just yeah. thinking, I went there, the very much of the twilight of my career, I had a great chance to be part of not just any old title win, a seminal historical title win for a seminal historical fantastic institution. 
And then what might very well be my strong song, I stick in a fourth goal in an old firm game at Ibrox. The only thing that's missing is a roar from a live crowd, right? Yeah. I'm sure he can console himself with uh, that one us medal that he'll pick up in a couple of weeks' time. But th- does anybody, you'd have to be fairly cold-hearted to deny Jermaine Defoe the glory and the warmth of that goal. And I think the entire support just, we, we loved every single goal. We loved Kimar Roof's cuteness with the chest. We loved the dynamism of Morelos cutting inside and blasting it. We loved the understanding and the movement of Kmar Roof drifting off to get the header. But didn't we all just really, really, really love seeing Jermaine Defoe sit down a Celtic player? And by the way, Walsh gets the best seat in the house, right? Because the ball's starting right there. And we're like, watch this. By the way, this is how you just pass it in the net. Did, they, did anybody not get a nice wee feeling with that angle? Jermaine Defoe, number four. Aye. There you go. Fantastic. Robbie, that's his, his 304th career goal that he that he scored um, at the weekend. And, and I mean, I think Tommy's absolutely right. I think every Rangers fan was was quite touched when 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 he, he was lucky enough to get in the position. And indeed, when you saw him put um, Welsh in his arse, you were <laughs> reasonably confident that he was going to score at that point. I don't think it was just the support either. I think you could see it in Gerard's face as well. And probably yeah. the same with teammates and stuff. And that way, when you think about it, it should probably be... That, that it's almost like somebody had scored in their debut. Like, oh, we're buzzing, he scored. But he scored not over 300 goals anyway. I should be like, nothing for him, he scores all the time. But no, it was definitely, it was, it was brilliant. It, he, he's, the, he's one of those players that I've been like, oh, I really hope he scores an old film. Just because you know that if he wasn't to do it this season, is there a chance he's going to get it again? Possibly Absolutely. not. Uh, nah, so for him to do it was, was brilliant. And what a goal as well. Like, what a goal. And then talk about players having moments and old film ties that maybe stick with them. If, I, if I'm Welsh, I'm not too happy after that one. So he was made to look silly from a guy who really... Well, be, Gerard probably only stuck him on because he was hoping to get a goal because it was nothing to do with that to see the game out or anything like that. We've literally stuck on a token guy who's a guy who's just scored over 300, 300 goals in his career, one of the top Premier League strikers ever. We just thought, ah, we'll just fling him on, put that young boy in his arse and slot it in the back of the net for four. So, nah, but it worked out perfect and I think that... If he does go, then it's a sort of perfect lasting yeah, memory. Perfect send off. His eyes, legacy here. I think as well. Sorry, just a, sorry Scott, my apologies. Okay, I wouldn't shout out because I did mean to say it when, I, uh, when you asked me the question. A shout out to Yanis Hadji's first time pass. That's where I was going. It's exactly where I'm I was not, going. My apologies, Scott. Okay, I've your next question. I've done him and I've, I've sat him down. Do you want to for a wee bit to you think that our question? <laughs> see, I know how this feels now. I know how this feels now, so that's why I see if this happens, I'm going to try and help you with buying some time. Oh, so. my goodness. Hi, right, that's your time's up. Let's go. You shouldn't share your notes <laughs> in the WhatsApp groups before the podcast. So, Tommy, Tommy just on, what did you think of Yanis um, Hadji's assist? <laughs> um, no, I, I, was, I was indeed going to come back to that because I, I think when you looked at it again, it would have been really easy for Hadji to play Defoe in with his left side. He actually lets the ball run across him and play it with his right foot and, and he, he knows exactly where Defoe is going at that point and he's one-on-one. So I, I think at that point, Hadji kind of fancied Defoe to go in and certainly test the keeper. Listen, I want to speak about um, Jack Simpson. It was revealed last week in the, the press conferences that um, Helander was, was out, maybe not to be seen again um, in a Rangers jersey, perhaps. We, we just we don't know about that and at this stage. Um, but, Tommy, I'll come to you first. Old Firm debut, um, fourth of four Old Firms in the season. Um, I wonder if Jack Simpson went into that game probably wondering what to expect. Is this going to be sort of like my, the other games I've played previously, even down south to, to the, the little game time I've had up here? I thought he fared reasonably well. I, I don't know how you felt he got on at the weekend. Well, you know, I think he probably probably started by getting into a nice comfy pair of ten of men. <laughs> um, you know, when he when he when he tapped on the shoulder, so by the way, you're, you're starting. <laughs> right. And it's hard to run in them, so, so I'm told. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, right. um, but yeah, I, I thought. Listen, you could. It's hard to sometimes pick apart when you've just come off the back of a four-one whitewash type of scenario, right? I thought he was okay. Uh-huh. I thought 
you can't ask for a better situation up to a point where you've got a relatively quickly demoralised Celtic and they lose a player, one of the one of the more attacking players as well, and then they have to shuffle about from a Rangers defensive point of view. That's a good news story. I thought he handled some of the physical stuff all right. There was a couple of moments where his positioning and his physicality were a bit tested. Uh, yep. He looked a wee bit, not shell-shocked, but a wee bit um, scared of just going in full throttle. Maybe some of the booking that he got early on would have been in his mind as well, right? So I'm not wanting um, you know, dismiss him or anything like that. He was, you're absolutely right. He was better than I first thought he was going to be because he's not been, and it's, it's terrible and it's hard to judge somebody on minutes here and minutes there and a wee cameo, right? And we all say that caveat and then we all absolutely do it, right? So <laughs> we can't walk past that, right? But I thought he came in and he performed reasonably well considering that he's dropped into a team who have been setting records for the defensive shape. He has not played tons of live game environment uh, or not had tons of live game environment minutes with his associated defenders. What was really pleasing for me, actually, by and large, anything else, is he, one, stood up as much as he could, right? And I expected that from a centre-back to centre-back pairing, him and Goldson, because Goldson will do all the talking and Goldson will do all the deflection round about it. But his positioning sense with Barisic on his left-hand side meant that that corridor wasn't massively, massively exposed. Yeah. And that was the best pleasing thing for me as well, because him and Barisic were quite tight and talking quite a lot. When I see a new centre-back come in, that's generally my first worry. Are they going to get exposed down the flanks continually? So, yeah, I, I would give it a... I'm going to give it a Sasa Parpatch. I think he was a good, a very good 7 out of 10. Robbie, how did you think he played? I thought, as I say, I thought he was steady. I'm inclined to, to agree with Thomas. He had a few moments. Um, but I, I thought he'd done OK. Where, where I find the interest is, how would you have rated his performance after you beat? No, and so it's always the right. There's that as well. So I think, see, to be fair, the way I described it was, I think he looked like a decent player who hadn't played a lot of football. So yeah. I don't, I didn't watch and think he looks like a bomb scare. However, you because I think sometimes where you can sometimes watch a guy who's played great but think he doesn't look good, even though they played well. And I think likewise, yeah. uh, you can watch somebody who's not played great, but you think you can tell he's got a bit about him. So. I, I totally agree. I, I think the, the booking didn't help at all. I thought that, no, no, kill them because they only have a, an okay game. But I certainly don't think that helps. I thought early on he looked quite good. Like yeah. I think the first sort of aerial battle between him and Edward, he, he get, rose up and came right through the back and get a good contact on. I thought that's, that's a perfect start in my whole firm. And then even the one where he got the booking, he, got, he did get tight to him, plus it was a foul. It was a, a foul and a half way in, which I don't see early in an old firm tie. I think that's. That's that's a decent thing. Yep. Getting really tight. So you won the first won the first high ball and then the next one he tries to bring it down. You give him a wee bit in his back. It's a foul and a half year, you don't mind that. I, I don't think that's such a bad thing to be doing a game and then he gets a booting for it and it's like it's almost killing me. It's very, very harsh. So after that I thought, oh like you're already yeah. getting the jitters. You start well and then you're brought right back down the air for you and we get a booting. And then after that I just thought I don't think he, he covered the sound of in glory with a goal. Yeah, uh, it, it wasn't too good for that. But then, as I say before that, there were a couple of moments he was positioned well at cross balls, and so I just thought it was a very, it was quite an up and down performance. It's one of those where because we've came out four one winners, I'm glad to say that like people are saying that he's played well and stuff. But knowing our support, I think if we got beat, it would be sell him, never play him again. <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to see him. It's in a back of a van down to Bournemouth. Um, <laughs> just two things, just two things on it, because I think it is, it's Ayer that maybe beats him at the back post for the, for the absolute spot on. I thought he was just a wee bit rocking back on his heels. But it's quite, well, it's fascinating what you're saying there, because I completely agree uh, with it. And I, I don't think things just fascinating just because I agree with them, but uh, quite <laughs> I heard that sentence in my own mind there. Yeah, what you've said is really fascinating. Fascinating that you're actually talking about a sentence, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> what you said to me. I my heart's, my heart's starting to pound there. Well. <laughs> but it's actually, when I'm looking at defenders, or up to a certain point, midfielders and strikers as well, but particularly defenders, I can much, I'm much happier to live with at the start of their career, the, or the comeback for injury or whatever, I fully expected from Nico Katic and stuff like this as well, right? That they fluff their lines occasionally or they get a little bit of physicalities wrong with them or whatever. But see if they're putting themselves in the right positions 
mm-hmm. to block things and then screwing up, that's much better for me yeah. than I being widely out of position and yeah. not being able to need it because that's just a fitness thing, a getting up to speed with the game stuff and all that, as opposed to I don't know how to read the game, therefore I'm in a wildly in an appropriate position. Because I, I think, as I say, there was a couple of situations early on where it looked as though it could have been awkward for a lesser player, but he made it look quite easy. There was a couple of cross balls, there was one over the top where, I can't remember the exact situation, but he could have cleared out the pitch, but he kind of played like a sort of reverse pass to Barris. And I thought, he looks quite comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then even see the, the chance Edward had in the second half where the two the, the ball kind of caught between the two of them and he kind of ties the back heel and Edward gets away and he, he, sh- yep. he shoots wide. I mean, I'm pro- I don't know if I'm if I'm doing my favour here, but I think that's one of those where he's probably struggled in that situation because he's on a button. So if he goes for that and Edward gets beyond him and he fills him, then there's a good chance he gets a second yeah. button. So he's probably he went in a bit more tentative, not with, with as much conviction. So I say 100% I'm not watching it thinking he, he, he doesn't look for me. I, I still think it's very early. And I, I would say that I, the best way I could sort of describe it was I thought he looked like a decent player who hadn't played a lot of football. That's kind of how I seen it, which is fair because because he's not. Uh, and again, I think that the early Britain killed him. So he was still a player involved in a four-one in a four-one victory. So there's probably a lot of things going on with Tommy says where he's maybe positioning up, stop somebody putting a through ball. But you kind of see that one clearly. Like there's so yeah. many things happening in a game where you're not privy to. So it was part of a team who were by far a better team in all firm ties. So if he can continue that, then he'll do it for me. That, that's the more, the more chance of seeing a through ball getting cut out in the sports scene highlights than you do of seeing a Rangers goal, to be honest. Aye, aye. I, I didn't watch it, but I heard about this. It's, it's highly unlike them this season, isn't it? Um, and I, listen, I have to say as well, um, it's good to see that Alan McGregor doesn't just hold his ranting for experienced pros because there was a moment in the second half when Simpson got caught out covering for Barisic. It was actually the moment when um, David Turnbull, who's who's quickly becoming Player of the Year for fuck knows what, frankly, <laughs> um, missed that sitter, and, and McGregor was right into Simpson's ribs about stopping the cross in the first place, which was um, impressive from McGregor. Which takes us on to Thomas. You know where I'm going with this. <laughs> um, that save from um, Ilyanusi was an absolute cracker, was it not? I feel. I feel it's personal between me and McGregor now. <laughs> just take it on. You know, <laughs> to me. Um, now listen, I think we've already already cycled through what's that he's put himself up there for greatest ever. He's put himself in the conversation for greatest ever. Fingers <laughs> goalkeeper. Steady. Yeah. Steady nobody, I've said it before, nobody will ever beat Andy Gorham for the 1996 season. that. But... In a longevity basis, and the fact he pulls out those consistently big moments. And we're not talking about a young goalkeeper who's up and coming here. We're talking about a keeper, quite frankly, coming towards the end of his career, right? We all know that. And his ability, and I think this can never be overstated when it comes to. So he's my always, I'll get a bit terse, but you know, when people say, oh, Xander Clark or something like that has had a good game, and you say, yeah. Joe Lewis or I don't know, anybody, right? Yeah. Thankfully, nobody ever said to me there's this good keeper in Greece uh, called Barkas that we should sign right for. <laughs> you know, people say that, and I say it's fine to look good at some of these smaller clubs. No, and that's no disrespect to the keepers themselves who can go on to have great careers and stuff like that and legitimately be brilliant. But it's it's a wee bit easier in italics to look good, right? Especially when you only see them three, four times a season, right? And they play well because we're peppering in shots against them, right? By statistics, you're going to say some of them, right? than it is to be a goalkeeper like Alan McGregor, which is not only might you not have to do anything for 89 minutes, but when the 90th minute comes round and you don't produce the wonder save, your fans, by and large, we all love Alan McGregor, but by and large, Rangers fans would go consistently, well, is he a good enough keeper for us? Because the expectation is on that 90th minute, you're into the top corner. Yeah. You're into the bottom corner, you're out to the guy, you read the game, whatever, right? And that's what he consistently does. And absolutely, I think it's, it's Elianusi. Yeah. That was Elianusi, right? So, so that's a cracking strike, right? There's no two ways about it. And you think, oh, that's just, that's just smashed the bar. And then you see the replay and you go, he's done it again. He's done it again. You know, and uh, I think some other commentators were saying this as well. 
he's now put himself, forget the greatest ever goalkeeper conversation, he's put himself into that, he has broken their hearts yep. conversation from games. And I genuinely never thought any keeper would ever get close to being in that part of the conversation, but he's legitimately there. And do you know what? Look after himself, wrap him in cotton wool, long may it continue. Robbie, I, I, my own personal thought is that he he won't be given player of the year, probably because he's a goalkeeper, I think, in the first instance, which I understand. Um, I just wonder, we've spoke about Ryan Kent over the last wee while, over whether he should be um, in with a chance of getting that. And he, he seems to be a name that's quite far down the list. I'm just wondering why he, he was excellent again at the weekend. No, I did make the joke about Roof starting, but it is on camera. But I says about three, four weeks ago that he should Archive be in it. Archive alert! I will go back and get that clip saying that he should be in it because I think I says that he's no player of the year, but he should be up there. Because see, for me, sorry, sorry, interrupt. But see, when the when the guys are editing this before it comes out, and I'm happy for the listeners and watchers to hear this. Can somebody stick over the uh, Cub Your Enthusiasm tune? But <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. I'm right about something. <laughs> nah, listen, he's in my lifetime. I'm a lot younger than you guys, right? As you know, I mean, I mean, I mean no look at but um. So in my lifetime, I've not seen a Rangers player put as much fear into Celtic as he has. It's not even close. I've genuinely not seen a player at us put that much of fear into them. And the reason so for player of the year, he's it, it, probably no player of the year, but it might be. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he's probably no, but he should 100% be the conversation because what he does, the reason I think he should be, the reason why I think he's very, very underappreciated is Golden. From, I've been saying for a while, I think he's my player of the year. But I still think that you could probably get, like, other centre-halves could kind of do what he's doing. And even in our squad, Hollander probably can't emulate his performances. He's just not played as many games. Yeah. Whereas no one in our team can do anywhere close to what Ryan Kent can do. Likewise, nobody in our league is close to Ryan Kent. In terms of ability, he is the best player in the league, unquestionably, in my opinion. The fact that he was tagged as a £7 million panic buy is just laughable. I thought at the time, I'm buzzing that he's just making people look stupid. Because see if actually if you know football, you're stupid. I'm pointing at camera, <laughs> stupid. Because his talent is ridiculous. And the only thing you had against him was his numbers, which was a fair point. And he spoke about that a lot as well. He said that Gerard really tried to drum that into him. But see, even that skill, I don't know, Greg Taylor. I mean, that, that was just ridiculous. But then he's putting a great ball after it as well. So he's adding all this stuff to his game. And see, even if he didn't set up a goal, I know he set up Roof's goal, which was kind of a bit of a lucky assist, if you like. But seeing games like that, he can no score or set up a goal if he likes. He's still the best player in the park because he's influenced the game in so many other ways. Like, no, he's the reason that Scott Brown got hooked after 60 minutes. Yeah. Because Scott Brown didn't want to see after Scott Brown didn't want to go near him. Talk about the site. Well, turn this into a, a main management podcast. Talk about the psychology of football. Scott Brown played so bad on Sunday because of what's happened in previous old firms. 100%. Because I think that, for me anyway, you, you can see things more at the game. But on the tell, it looked to me as though it was like a 4 3 1 2 for Ryan Kent, sort of in the hole. So he was directly up against him. You're not telling me Scott Brown's not like that and think, fuck's sake. Every time I play against this, pretty makes me look stupid. Yeah. And then. In the first 25 minutes, he skinned them, what, two or three times? So then, when Brown, see, he's on the back foot, the full team's on the back foot, they don't know where it come or go. He got McGregor booked for the first tackle. Eh, eh, sorry, for the for his first booking. Just, just overall, I thought it was unbelievable. I thought the last eh, old firm at Iowa, the Scottish Cup, I thought it was man and match that game as well, even though I thought Davis was incredible. I still just think Ryan Kent does things that no one in our league's even close to doing. And I, I've really got, I really hope there wasn't many Premiership teams watching that game. I've got I've the fear that we could lose them. Because I really think that, talk about, I think McGregor's really hard to replace. I think Holland would be really hard to replace. Kamara, all those guys. Ryan Kent, see if you to get somebody to try and do the job he's done for us consistently. They're talking 20 plus million for me. Easy. 
for a guy that talent. Tommy, I've seen a, a couple of things on social media today um, that would suggest that there's not really been anyone that Rangers have had since Brian Loudrup to really put the fear into Celtic in exactly the way that Robbie's just illustrated perfectly. Um, I wonder if, if you'd agree that Kent is the man since since Brian Loudrup all those years ago. Still recovering from Robbie screaming down the camera and pointing at uh, people there for a second. I love that. Um, there you go. Salty. Um, <laughs> Say salty. <laughs> Robbie B. Robbie. Robbie. Oh my god. Uh, and you know, Robbie's you know, points well made there. And you can throw some of the pantheon the names in there, Brian Loud of Alan Coist. For a while, your Alberts uh as, as well. Um <clears throat> we're, we're I think I, I said this uh, since Robbie's been bigging himself up in this podcast. I'm going to do it as well, then, right? I'm sure I said some number of weeks ago that it's Brian Kent's one of those players that other teams need to think about. Yeah, movement on the ball, is movement off the ball, it pulls people across. I think I saw a stat during the game uh, on Sky that said for touches in the opposition box, um, chances, uh, etc., that he was he was in first place. In the Premiership this season, yeah. um, in terms of dribbles as well. So you think about that though, and I know we've referenced like uh, end product. Was it twelve goals? And yeah, there somewhere, I think it's in there somewhere. So he's adding that to his game as well. But when you're talking about, oh, he's number one within the squad within the Premiership this season for, for dribbles. You have to remember that takes players out left, right, and centre. It pulls defences apart, which is particularly important when 95% of our games are against teams that are sitting back and spaces at an absolute premium. Having a guy who can go left, who can go right, right, has lots of Celtic players, but particularly Scott Brown found out over the last couple of games, right? I think he's still wondering about the circles like the Bismarck, right? Just hoping to catch him at some point. And for those younger viewers out there, type Bismarck into your, your good self. <laughs> it'll come up, right? Trust me. Um, but, you know, he's just, the, the, he's got the ability to do that. He's got a, a deceptively electric change of pace yeah. over a yard or two. And then his close control is un, unrivaled. And now, as Robbie was saying as well, you start to add in double-digit goals. You start to add in double-digit double assists. You start to say, hold on, this is a serious, serious player. And there's a reason why Steven Gerrard and the management team were able to convince the board to loosen the post strings and spend what's the guts of seven and a half million or whatever on them. And there's a reason why guys like Bielsa and his analyst team have went, we want to be seeing this guy because we want to go on the boat early. Because if he goes down, you know, let's say a lead would to pay 20 million and he has the type of season that we think he would in the premiership, then all of a sudden that that figure just ramps up and that's good business sense for, for Leeds as well. He definitely, definitely to your point, he definitely is a player that puts the fear into the back line of Celtic and their midfield. And I think Stephen Gerrard you know, referenced that uh, he just wanted Ryan Kent to do what he did, uh, does to Scott, to Scott Brown. Um, although, you know, he's lost the ability to do it now. He need to do it while he's in a red jersey because he effectively retired Scott Brown during the cup. It has to be said. Um, and then getting hooked off in your so and so, you know, it's that's uh, that's a, a last a last trudge as opposed to a last dance, right? But yeah, that's that's Ryan Kent in a nutshell. He can absolutely wind players, wind them, and then whole defenses have to take note of him because he can do pretty much anything you want. Now, if he keeps ramping up the goals a little bit, then he is the type of player that, unfortunately, Robbie's right. <laughs> big, big checks well, big, big checks will come calling you know scouts will be all over the top of it and there'll be a chap at the door saying we've got a lot of TV money and we'd like to spend it on Ryan Kent and that's a tif- difficult question to answer for Rangers at some point we're going to have to I think sell him um, he's an amazing investment but to bookend it Robbie's absolutely right to then reach out and replace him with somebody with a natural light for light talent I, I don't know where you naturally find that Tommy, I'm going to stick with you because we've played Celtic four times in the league this year. First visit to Celtic Park, 2-0 victory, Conor Goldson double. Second was a victory at New Year, Callum McGregor. What a wonderful time he's had against us this season. 
Um, OG, Morelos, of course, scores his, his first in the draw at Celtic Park a couple of weeks ago, and then we've got um, the the final piece in a very impressive jigsaw at, at the weekend there. I just wonder, Tommy, from your perspective, of these four games, I wonder at which point you maybe felt that the tide was beginning to change. Oh, that's an interesting phraseology. Not not the easy question I hoped you were going to give me there. So You're welcome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and as is usually my case anyway, I'll just answer the question that's in my mind. Very much a politician's answer. But um, I think in terms of, without fudging it, I, I think going to Parkhead, the 2-0 Conor Goldson game, was an absolute step change for me because it was completely dominating, dominating in their home patch. Yeah. And they just couldn't do anything about us. Our movement, our fluidity, our attacking progress, all that kind of stuff. I know it seems weird when you're talking about, yeah, but your defender up for the back scored twice. But that belies how that game actually played out. In terms of completeness of performance, well, it's the weekend because we've absolutely you know, ripped them apart. You know, paper screen stuff. Right, in terms of you know, cardboard champions type of scenario, right? Whatever your phraseology is, but in terms of importance, it's the old firm game at New Year. Yeah. Okay, that was the stake through the heart of their uh, title challenge, and their their slight belief that they could they could get back into it. They played really really well. Not as well as some people mythologise, right? But, but they did play well, they did. They absolutely did. Aye, they played well, but, you know, sometimes you listen to it and people, it makes it sound as though they had, like, 50,000 chances and it was, like, the Alamo at one point, you know, and yeah. wind up just trying to save everything. But they played really, really well and came away with nothing. And it was a... The OG was actually quite a nice wee touch. I quite liked that. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, and to come away with no points and Rangers stretching their lead. Because I think, you know, I still think we're going to win the title, right? But that could have made it really tight and it might have just changed the narrative a wee bit. But the fact they put everything in, they yeah. put everything in and played as well as I think that squad could and came away with nothing. And, you know, we didn't, didn't even have to have a shot on goal. It's also a nice touch. I think it took the belief out of them. It took the wind out of their fans. It pretty much crushed that club. Uh, so, yeah, so for importance, it's been that one. Robbie, same question to you of the four. Which one made you think, "Wow, we, we've 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 sort of we've flipped the coin"? It'd be boring if I said the same as Tolly, wouldn't it? So I'm definitely <laughs> not going to do that. When you're right, Robbie, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> no opposite for what the guy below said. <laughs> <laughs> nah, so it's like, kind of, it's like kind of team effort that we've got here. On this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nah, so I think. Very well made points, and I, I agree with everything you said. For me, I'm going to go with the first one though, because I felt because after that game, I think looking at it now, after that game, everyone has just kind of went in a similar path apart from the new year when you talk about where, whereby even though we won two 0 that day, and it's if you look at the stats and stuff, it didn't look like total domination. You felt as though at any given point we could have stepped up a year or two, and I think that. That was a real worrying moment for them, uh, given the fact that we almost weren't even trying and we still won. So obviously we were late, but to a serious point, for them that must have been a real worry that because they were on a good run of form at that time, results-wise, but I thought that important at that time was very, very important because uh, that result at that time was very important because they were getting a lot of good results, but they were playing very poorly. And I think that I was talking about, you know, how, how would we judge Jack Simpson if we could beat? That was at Celtic at that time. So Celtic weren't they playing great, but they were winning. And it was yeah. that way, like, see if they play against, see if they play this way against us, a European team, they'll no win. And that's all I kept thinking. But the argument you got back for, for Celtic fans in the media was, oh no, they're winning when they're not playing well. Wait till it clicks and then you'll see how good they really are. Well, I think after that game, it kind of crossed it as to like, nah, this is all they've got. This is all they've got. This is what we've got in this day. And you can tell we're only at a second gear because we'd wrapped the game up after 35, 40 minutes, yeah. whatever it was. And then we just managed the game. So I thought that took, that put a real dent into their confidence. 
And likewise, I was just obviously went on the upward trajectory after that. Because I so I think that was a key thing because that, that really annoyed me around about that time where everybody's saying like I, I was even getting it for for mates with Rangers fans, like, nah, like they're not playing well, but they're still winning. But I'm like, see see that? Like in football for me, that only works if you're playing well, you're playing a certain style I play and it's working for you. But I every fifth game you don't play well, but you can still grind it a win. I fair enough. But seeing all playing well five, six games on the bounce, yeah. and sneaking out wins against Ross County, St Mum, whatever else, that's no good for somebody to win a title. So then we totally proved that that was the case in that next old firm because we we dominated without even having to. We, so we never dominated the games in terms of chances created, but we managed the game with a real dominance and assurance. And I just think that after that game, I felt as though there was a general consensus that we'd have better team than them. And then we just kicked on for centre to centre after that. And that's kind of where more and more questions were getting asked of them. So I think that I totally agree with Tommy's point. The, the one at New Year was, was important for different reasons. It was important because we proved that that, that was the poorest we played and we were still able to beat them. Whereas yeah. no, the other games were quite well. I agree with I agree with Tommy. <laughs> nah, no <laughs> quite agree with him. I can see the underlying points he's <laughs> made. <laughs> but he's wrong. I'm in far too good a mood. Uh, but I, I suppose I'll do what Robbie was looking at right? Since he's he's done trying to do me there. I will say but, what do you think? Yes, that's what I want to uh, You need to choose a different one now. Make a point for it. I clearly can't copy either of you now. You know, I would say of the um, of the four of the four games this season, the one that I will I look at as a, a probably a big moment was the one that Morello scored in, which was was match day three, because I think he everyone largely agrees that he's our our shining light, if you like. Everyone was desperate for him to score. Everyone was desperate for him to score, and I think for him to do it um, at their place w- was was really special. I think after that happened, I think there was a a realization that you know, I mean, everything's pointing in the right direction for us. Morelos has just scored at Celtic Park, and I, I just that was the point where I began to think, "Yep, we're, we're not, there's no danger that this is going to go wrong for us now." You, you raise a, a really interesting point there, right? So I know. We've, Folks spoken about it, and Alfie's obviously a fan's favourite, and there's a lot of different component parts to why he's that fan's favourite, right? But, and I'm I'm not picking you up on your words specifically, there, Scott, right? What you're saying, shining light, what leads me to just ask though is to, to you both guys, probably an interesting question. There was a time when Alfredo Morelos was the shining light of the squad and the most valuable asset. Do we still believe that? Scott? Yes, 100%. I'm skipping this one. That's the, be- that's the best pass that Robbie's played. <laughs> Absolutely, without a doubt. And I'll tell you the reason why. He does the hardest thing in the game. He scores your goals. He absolutely scores your goals. You think if he, if we're lucky enough to get in the Champions League next season and he begins to score goals in the Champions League, his value will go through the roof. Make no mistake about it. So he's absolutely still our main man. I don't care what anyone says. Robbie? So I think that, I was thinking about this yesterday uh, watching the game. So I, th- I thought he played well. He's goals, but I went by the way. Like you can talk about is a wee bit of luck, but I don't think that is luck because it, it means what he's done. And yeah. so in, in football, you make your own luck and with those sort of things. But you, you get so many players like at every level that always get the wee breaks. And I think he's one of them. He does that a lot when he's on the right hand side and he chops back and it, it will get a break off of somebody's legs from away with it. So when you do it that regular, I don't think it's luck personally. Yeah. Uh, so I, what, what was the point again? He, he, was, oh, oh, he, was, he was padding there, Tommy, wasn't he? I know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think, that's think my head. Uh, that's our first football cliche of the night. <laughs> In football, you make your own luck. No luck past that. Now, so I think we will certainly demand a big fee from anybody. I'm just trying to think that, I, I think Kent would be a bigger loss personally. But I think... <laughs> But I think with any sort of situation in football, the guy who gets your goals will probably get you the most money. And I actually think that, I get that that's the point I was trying to remember. Man. So, what's the game? <laughs> I don't know why you guys get so frustrated listening to me. Never seen it. <laughs> it's been a poor performance for me tonight. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, no, so, 
I'll be totally honest, right? Pre-2021, I was critical of him. Uh, mm. I, I thought before the turn of the year, it wasn't having a great season. And I think in the past, again, hold my hands up, I've 100% been one of those guys who thought I would cash in on him now. Because I just thought, well, we don't need to go through it. We've, we've, we've been over it before. But before the turn of the year, I don't think he was playing great, but we were still winning. Uh, the team was playing really well, whereas previous seasons we've been over-relying on him. So I was kind of that way. I was like, is our style kind of outgrown him? Is he not going to suit this? Is it just going to come at a sort of seamless end where it doesn't look as though he's going to fit our new style? We've brought in Ruth, who's probably more of that kind of drop-run striker, taking it, bringing our players into play, all that stuff. But see, since the turn of the year, see the last four, sort of five months, I think he's better now than he was when he went through that six-month spell he was scolding every week two yeah. years ago. See, when he was going through his one and his final and Porto and stuff. No, he will be. But there's a question then, right? So, since you've, you've done a wee bit of meandering up through the pitch as well there, right? Got <laughs> go to your head, guys, type of scenario, right? I'll start with you, Robbie. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. You need to get rid of, you need to get rid of one of in the, the, the close season. Oh, Holson, yes. Kent, or Morelos. Oh, wow. Well. Who, who who exits the club? Can we pause the recording? No. <laughs> <Even after this. laughs> oh, that's hard. So, are we, are we talking pound for pound? Just one word. Just one word. Because if we're talking pound for pound, then <laughs> you're going, I wouldn't say goals because we don't get as much for him. But, nah, so, I think that I, I love Goldson, but I would say if I'm not including what price tag they would go for, because you never included that. So oh, if I'm not talking about And you're doing a great job of scrolling and asking. <laughs> <laughs> so I think if we're, not, if we're just talking about who would be the easiest to replace, as That's much as I think he's been... What? Who do you let go? That's it, full stop. Who do you let go? Yeah, Scott. That hurt. That hurt. Yeah. And I, I yeah. could well as though I've got it. I could look daft in six months' time, but I just think that. Don't you, don't you go changing, Robbie. Don't you go changing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I look daft enough. You know, I just I, think that the, the money we'll get for him, you, you could reinvest. Whereas I think I, I, I think Kent would be harder to replace, personally. Uh, don't they qualify it? Don't they qualify it? It's fine. Man, man. No, I'm not getting it back up. Because I think it'll make a lot more sense if I explain it, but it'll probably take me about 25 minutes. This is for the clip show on social media, right? Robbie Aldi, I cannot wait to get rid of Morellas. Scott, what about you, buddy? Goldson. There we go. Nice one. We're not going into detail now. <laughs> quite a lot I could say on this. I, I would definitely say. I'm not entirely sure. I great think question. it is a really good question. I think um, I come back to what I said earlier on. It, it can't be Morelos because he does the most difficult thing in the game. Do you know what I mean? He does the thing that ultimately wins you prizes, gets you medals. Um, and for as good a, a centre-half that... that Connor Goldson is and has been in particular this season, I think he would be easier to replace than someone who, say, gets you 20 goals a season or a guy that gets you maybe 13 plus assists and maybe the same amount of goals in a season. I think replacing Connor Goldson would be easier in air commas for anyone listening on Spotify. What do you think, Thomas? Because <laughs> 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 I would love to I would actually I would really be interested to know what you're gonna say here and what one answer. Go. Like a match and fling it in. I'm done. Well, I'm I'm not definitely not gonna say Ken. Um I'm I'm gonna say Alfredo Morelos. Wow. Two V one, so Scott you're wrong. Two V one, Scott is wrong. <laughs> no, it's no right or wrong, but I, purely I actually buy a lot of what you're saying about Goldson. Yeah. And the replacement of that. If we had a different sort of conveyor belt of centre backs, and that's not having a go at Simpson or um, Katic or Edmondson or anything like that, but I think in terms of the leadership and the holding that back four, back five together, mm-hmm. and the talking aspect of it, 
is what shades because Kent was never on the sales roster for me. It's what shades um, Goldson being kept over Morelos. And I take I fully take the whole he scores the goals type of um, point in terms of it being the most difficult thing. But I think Rangers have got a squad now that can get goals from different parts of the team. So there we go. Tommy, I'm going to stick with you. There's two games left of the season to go, Livingston and Aberdeen. We'll not do a look ahead to them as such. I, I think the the one thing I'm going to ask you is the unbeaten run, the invincible run, does it matter any more to you now that we've got the Celtic game out the road? You think, well, Conor Goldson's going to score a couple of Gs in those <laughs> games now, don't you? Uh, but, uh, well, yeah, yeah, it does. You know, and I, I was buying it on, and I, I continue to stand by it. I would have sold all of these games, including being beaten by Celtic at the weekend, if somebody would have told me I was getting the Scottish Cup right, because yep. silverware, silverware. That said, we also spoke last week about momentum, the psychology of winning, all that type of good stuff. Rangers are now went an unbeaten season against their biggest rivals. They have taken the championship away from them. The last thing on the on the board of achievement is, I think we can still get to 100 points. Yeah, we uh, can. Wins and... You know, that's a consequence of something. So the the ultimate thing there is going the rest of the season unbeaten. If it's two wins, fine. If it's two draws, I don't really care, right? But that's the last achievement. So yes, it does become really important. You're up against uh, Livingston and Aberdeen. I know at least one of those teams will be playing their heart out uh, <laughs> to try and bring that run to an end. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's the last tangible thing. If Rangers can send the fans away into the pre-season with no Scottish Cup final, which is a disappointment, but send away with 55 and an invincible season. Uh, and that includes some pretty big performances against Celtic. I think we'll all be relatively happy. Robbie, last one of the, the week for you. Same question. Does the, the Livingston and Aberdeen games now become, you're kind of desperate to win them now just to, to get to that 100 point mark? Yeah, definitely. I think that if we had <clears throat> if we'd lost at the weekend, it would have just felt as though we were just sort of Trudging over the line, whereas now it does give you that element of we're still undefeated. It just gives it just gives the game a different element, a wee bit. And it's probably the same for Aberdeen and Livingston as well. That would be a motivation for them, you know, to try and beat a team who's, who's been undefeated all season. So I think it'll be interesting to see if it plays any sort of part in Gerard's team selections as well. I don't know. I don't know what you think about that, but I'd be interested to see if he's a bit more reserved in terms of how many changes he makes because yeah. that's nothing. People. Don't consider these things, but all managers, football players, and stuff like that—they all have a CV. So Stephen Gerrard will very much want to have undefeated season on his CV. Yeah. So that that probably means a wee bit more to him right now than giving I don't know Leon King forty-five minutes as opposed to twenty minutes or sixty minutes as opposed to twenty minutes or whatever. So it'll be very very interesting to see how how we approach the rest of the season. I don't think we'll be trying anymore because you every player tries to win every game to the maximum but I think that if we go out and play a 90% full strength squad then I think that's telling to the fact that this means an awful lot to the, to the players and management Robbie another stellar performance this week my friend well done thanks very much I mean you're probably being kind to me there but I'll take Not it at all. 7.5 out of 10 <laughs> um, Thomas always the same for you it's kind of teetering around that 7.5 <laughs> Always the same, teetering around that seven and a half. He's seen the end of his career, Tommy. He's here to just kind of get his last big payout, and that's him. I can't help but notice that. That's, that's pretty much it. I don't, even, the, I don't even train with you guys. I don't respect <laughs> you at all. This week, the hosting duty's kind of been a, mix, a bit of a mixed bag. I've seen, I've, I've seen a, a taste of, of things to come. The young whippersnappers are, are right behind me after my job-ish. Coming, coming at you fast. By the way, what I would say, just, just the bookend though, and top-notch hosting as always, Scott, teetering, teetering on fucking two out of ten. Right? <laughs> I don't, don't you start with me. <laughs> but, um, apologies for the language, obviously. But just to that point about selection and stuff like that, I am pretty sure we will not see a swan song for France-bound Bongani Zungu. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that there's a, a good chance you could be writing that, Thomas. Yes, so 
7.75 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week, gentlemen. Um, I should say that all of our content, including the latest really, really excellent interview with Kenny Miller, is available across all of our social media things, www.thisibrox.co.uk. All three charts, jump on there and have a look. Um, this week's podcast is available in all the usual places. YouTube, Podbean, Spotify, Acast, Tommy, Robbie, there's more. I, I don't know them off the top of my head, but we're definitely on there somewhere. Um, I urge you all to, to jump on there and have a look. Good luck to Rangers. Of course, they don't play until next week. We've got the, the last two games of the season against Livingston and Aberdeen, but we'll do all of this again next Monday, and we'll look forward to it. Have a good week. Bye-bye. This is I'm shaking, you want-